Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. Gayan Wilson died this past November at his home in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was a cartoonist, one of the greatest single-panel cartoonists ever. For decades, his work appeared in The New Yorker and Playboy, and it is impossible to miss, completely distinctive, dark, strange, full of monsters and aliens and pirates, grotesquery. There's a kind of perverse joy in laughing at, say, when a guy's been turned into a giant shrimp and his wife asks if now he'll finally see a doctor. I talked with Gayne Wilson in 2010, almost a decade ago. I recorded the show in my apartment in Koreatown here in Los Angeles, and he breezed through full of absolute vibrance. Even, even then, he was in his 80s. It's still one of my favorites. Let's take a listen. Um, so, uh, I read that you, and you can correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, that you got your taste for this kind of, uh, uh, the, the world of the dark and gory reading, uh, reading pulp magazines. Um, is that, is that actually true? Well, I, I think I was there a long time before I got to, to be old enough to read pulp magazines. Um, I really don't know when it got started, but I always, uh, I did, I was like spooky, and um, that's, that's back to when I some strange event, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but it, that's I just feel sort of cozy with it. I enjoyed um, just enjoyed it. Even like even even as a kid, kid like yeah. as a six year old or an eight year old. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, I, I, Halloween certainly had a, a good deal to do with it. Um, Halloween at that one one thing that's happened, which I find. Uh, extremely sad is that, that Halloween used to be this marvelously unique holiday and that it was uh, strictly under the control of kids. And um, what would happen on Halloween is the kids would put on these costumes or something approximating a costume and get their trick-or-treat apparatus <clears throat> and then they would uh, leave the, the house waving bye-bye to their parents, and uh, go off amongst themselves, just a bunch of kids. But nowadays, it's very nice, and and it's quite dear, Uh, and the kids go out, and still in costumes and all the rest of it, but they are always accompanied by a grown-up, which is is much more sensible, and a uh, more civically uh, adult and everything else, but it, it wrecks the whole idea of Halloween as a kid's uh, thing. And so I associated, and I think that's part of it, I associated spookiness and that sort of stuff with liberation. It's sort of a, it, it's sort of a, like a, um, a, a traditional kind of holiday, is it like a topsy-turvy day? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, where the rich man, the poor, poor, the pauper becomes king for a day or Mm -hmm. the kids get to do whatever they want and wreak Mm -hmm. havoc on the adults for a day. It seems like that sort of a, that's, that, that kind of topsy turviness uh, has been in in a way a a theme in your work as well. It has indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and, and a nice sense of sort of uh, 
life is really very interesting and sort of odd, mysterious. Uh, and uh, that's 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 a heavy influence. I think it's a very heavy influence. Did you did you want to be a, a cartoonist? Uh, absolutely, positively from uh, from youth. Yeah, from very early on. I um, like most of the people I know who've uh, managed to make it in the arts. Um, it's you get hit with it uh, quite early, and uh, you become obsessed with it, and you just. That's what you do. I mean, you're just determined to do it. I can remember, um, I don't know exactly how old I was, but I know I was sitting on the carpet, and it was obviously Sunday because I had the Sunday papers, and I had just read the uh, uh, comics section, and uh, I looked at it and uh, I realized that I wanted to be a cartoonist. I just, it just came to me that uh, that's what I wanted to do. And uh, it was, that's it. Uh, that, I was doomed from that time forward. And I had, uh, before then, and uh, after then, and uh, forever onwards, uh, I was a doodler. I was constantly doodling on things. And, and everybody that I know that has uh, been successful in the, in the visual drawing, painting business, is the same way. They're just compulsive uh, uh, scribblers and scratchers on, on any kind of paper or whatever that's available, uh, and that's that's that. It's uh, it's something. It's something very. I don't. Know, you just you are. That's it. You're that. You were you were a kid. I'm I'm doing math in my head. Um, you're in your late seventies, so mm. that means that you, that you were a kid. Um, basically your childhood through, uh, you know, age 18 or so right. was basically the span of the, um, the decline and fall of the newspaper comic. Um, it, yeah, yeah. the period where it went from this huge part of the newspaper to mm -hmm. a, a very secondary thing in the, in the birth of the comic book. Right. Um, did, when you were, you know, uh, 17 years old, let's say, and you knew you wanted to be a cartoonist, did yeah, you know what I, kind I, you wanted yes, to be? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, I, I, um, I liked the comic strip form. Uh, I, I, I particularly, I particularly liked Dick Tracy because, um, the, uh, the guy who did it, uh, Chester Gould was his name, um had been, I didn't know this at that time, but he, he, he had uh, been in the Tribune working in the editorial art area, and one of his uh, the things he would do periodically would be they'd ask him to do a, a, a map of a crime scene, and, and he'd have, you know, there'd be this little teeny map, and there'd be this X, and that's, it would say, uh, Jones fell dead here, foot tracks, bloody footprints went this way, and so on and so on. And the, the guy who ran the uh, the paper was a guy named Colonel Patterson, and he knew Gould. Gould knew him, and uh, Gould had, he said he he would love to do a a, a comic strip uh, based on this this have a detective thing, uh, and uh, they backed him on it. And uh, it was um, unlike the uh, sort of sentimental uh, movie versions that have been made since. Uh, 
It was a, it was a marvelously uh, horrendous thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it was really gory stuff. I mean, the villains not only uh, would get shot and you go, you know, really shot, shot, stuff oozing out of their chests, but the wound would superate, you know, and they would become badly, really badly infected, and they might die horribly. <laughs> and uh, it was really, um, really, really creepy, uh, and so that appealed to me. Uh, and I just, but but I <clears throat> very, I, it didn't. I don't know exactly when it was, but I shifted over to uh, magazine cartoons as, as my goal. Uh, New Yorker from the start, particularly, and um, just I thought that's that's it. That's what I want to do. That thing, not not comics. So, so I like the comic strip form, and have been a very active in it. Um, that was that's what I. Was was going for, with exceptions certainly, but the uh, uh, the New Yorker cartoon form has a, a reputation for being somewhat highfalutin. Mm. This this may be because of the um, uh, because of the context in which the uh, uh, cartoons run, but I, I can't imagine that it was that much different in the nineteen forties and fifties than it is today. Um, what, what was it that made you think as a guy who wanted to draw jokes about, um, you know, uh, creepy radiation monsters, yeah. uh, think that that was your venue? Well, Charlie Adams, uh, was uh, hit, uh, that very definitely was, was, uh, I, I loved his stuff. And, and so that he was a, a great greatly important so I, I tended to that from from practically from, from the beginning from the get-go and my first uh, you, you, the, the, the Hulk of the cartoon magazine thing was uh, it had all, it was it appeared in all sorts of magazines including the, the, these things these wonderful magazines which are called pulp magazines and the pulp magazines would have all kinds of trashy stuff, and some of it was very good, actually. But uh, there were several of them that would be uh, have science fiction themes and uh, spooky themes and so on. And my when I finally uh, I went to the Art Institute in, in Chicago and graduated, took a fine arts course because I had gone to a commercial school, which was very good, but I wanted to learn technique, and I wanted to learn really how to draw and really how to do it well, and so that was, and I think that was a good decision. And I went to New York and just eked by, just, and the, the, my my first sale uh, was to a, uh, a, a, a pulp magazine, and uh, it was... I got I got seven dollars and fifty cents for it, as I recall. And um, do you remember what it was? Yes, it was a very good cartoon. It was a <laughs> um, you ha what it was was a uh, a winter scene. You know, the snow was falling and all that. And um, approaching the viewer was uh, a, a a man and his little son, and he had the father was holding the kid's hand, and the kid was holding his father's hand, and. He was looking ahead enthusiastically and pointing and saying, look, Daddy, look. And in the foreground, you saw this uh, uh, dead bird uh, with its little claws poking <laughs> up towards the sky. And the kid was saying, look, Daddy, look, the first robin. <laughs> so that's how I got started. So the whole thing was set from there. And I never deviated. It was... Um, 
It, 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 and it worked out. There's a great cartoon in this um, uh, collection that Playboy and, and Fantagraphics have just put out of your complete uh, cartoons for yeah, Playboy. I'm, yeah, I'm very happy about that. Uh, uh, a stand-up comic who's performing in this kind of post-apocalyptic landscape for kind of a, a handful of uh, uh, bedraggled-looking people saying uh, saying something like, well, I used to do jokes about the end of the world before the world ended. Yeah, there's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it just it's so that so why humor became um, not just uh, macabre uh, movie style macabre, but also macabre politically, and has has been uh, so they, they, the two intertwined very nicely. We'll finish up with Gayne Wilson when we come back from a quick break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. What's up, nerds? I'm Maddie Sofia, host of Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. We bring you new discoveries, everyday mysteries, and the science behind the headlines, all in about 10 minutes. Think of it as a little daily brain snack. And who doesn't love snacks? You know what I'm saying? Listen and subscribe to Shortwave from NPR. Hi, I'm Renee Colbert. I'm Alexis Preston. And we're the hosts of the smash hit podcast, Can I Pet Your Dog? Now, Alexis. Yes. We got big news. Uh Uh-oh. Since last we did a promo, our dogs have become famous. World famous. World, like, stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Second big news. Mm -hmm. The reviews are in. Mm Mm-hmm. Take yourself to Apple Podcasts. You know what you're going to hear? We're happy. It's true. We're a delight. A great distraction from the world. I like that part a lot. So if that's what you guys are looking for, mm-hmm. you got to check out our show. But what else can they expect? We've got dog tech, dog news, celebrities with their dogs, all dog things. All the dog things. So if that interests you, well, get yourself on over to Maximum Fun every Tuesday. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, we're remembering some folks we lost in 2019. Right now, we're revisiting my 2010 interview with the great cartoonist Gayan Wilson. Gayan made brilliant, dark, weird single-panel cartoons in The New Yorker and Playboy for over 50 years. He died this past November. Let's get back into our conversation. I read this interview uh, uh, that you did mm-hmm. in 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this interview, it was an interview at the time you were living in, with your wife in Key West. Yeah. And it was, I want to say the St. Petersburg Times or something like that. It's just something I, I came across on the internet. Uh-huh. And um, it, it, this author is talking to you about the, the different things that you're interested in. Right. At this point, you're, I think you're 39 in this interview, something like that. And you're basically pitching this newspaper feature writer from the St. Peter, Petersburg Times on our crumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You're you're trying you're trying to tell him why um why you think that Zap Comics might be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did you think when uh, when the world of alternative comics opened up in the in the late sixties? Oh, I was delighted because they were doing the same thing that I was doing, uh, and it was uh, I thought, well, hooray. Um, and I, I did have an effect. It, uh, uh, it was, it, and huzzah, huzzah. Uh, I was, I, I also got, one thing that happened in that period uh, was that this magnificent publication, The National Lampoon, started. And uh, I wish it was still going on. Uh, it's, it's it when it ended and now most everybody that uh, was in it is uh, in television or they're uh, in in uh, movies or something but uh, 
it was just it was it was terrific because we could just we were the the, the they they wanted you to do as, be as rough and tough as you possibly could. They they whipped you into more you know. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I was happy to do it. And did spreads about uh, all these different themes and didn't hold back on any of them. And then a very a very a very nice thing happened. I mean, this this book, which I'm delighted it's out now, the the, the Playboy collection, uh, is going to be followed up. Uh, with a collection of a thing I did also for the National Lampoon, which is a comic strip, which was uh, is called Nuts, and it was about a. Well, the, the, I'll say the origin of it was they, they took me aside. They said we're going to have a little comic book section. It'll be a, a strip comics at the end of the book, and we'd like you to be part of it, and do a regular uh, full, full page uh, strip. Uh, each issue, and uh, which you and, and something uh, do something, you know. Could you? Could you and I said, oh, well, I'd, I'd love to do it. And I and I said, do you? Yeah, we want you to make it really horrible. Really. <laughs> and and I said, you bet. Okay. This yeah. is this is at a time when the the National Lampoon was uh, doing some of the most intense. Oh, it was satire. Yeah, it, it was just it, satire it, that we would think of as being very intense even today. Oh yes, it was thirty five years later. Yeah, I, I I I just I it's it's a it's a shame it. Uh, the thing is not there because it was. It really did uh, have effect. It was. It was, and it, we need something something like that so so badly. But uh, so I started trying. I started to think. Well, let's see something really horrible, really horrible. And I tried uh, thinking of this, and I thought. No, then I sort of fell back on possibly. Well, let's see, monster. I'll do yes, monsters, something like that. And and. Uh, and I just uh, uh, Frankenstein time dragon now and and, and and then I thought what's really really what was off what was really hard what was really scary and then I thought of course being a little kid uh, that's it you know and it's a uh, it's this, it's this true thing you see I don't know what is I don't know what's wrong with most grown ups but they seem to think children are these little uh, happy little things, and um, they um, don't. I don't know what have they forgotten everything. You know, because a, a growing up is a very hard operation. It's terribly hard. You're going to see incomprehensible world, and you try to make sense out of it, and you try to, uh, you know, take it seriously, and it just behaves in this absurd fashion. So you do the best you can, but so that was what this nuts thing was all about. And they're going to come out with a collection of. The, I had a there was a book oh, about ten years, twenty years ago, maybe fifteen, I think it was uh, that had a collection of these nuts strips. But this one will be the complete nuts, and that's I'm very very happy. And it's it was absolutely that's what it was, it was about try, kids trying to make sense of the world, and it was a it was an effective I, as I say so myself a way of sort of showing how unsensible the world is. Uh, the, the title of Nuts, Nuts, was a... Um, uh, it was a reaction against Peanuts, really, because, um, though I think Schultz did a, a very interesting strip, I don't think it was about children at all. It was a, a sort of a... Uh, he's a very religious fellow, was a very religious fellow, and, and I think it was a bunch of moral fables and these little creatures that he had act out these teachings that uh, weren't weren't children. They were little figures uh, doing a, a little thing which told you this or that 
point, you know. And I was having none of it. And <laughs> so it was just, this is just, so that's why it was nuts. But um, it's just about, it's about re real little kids and how complicated they're. They're very complicated. What, what were the kinds of experiences that you, that you had as a kid that you didn't see reflected well, in Well, there's the sort of thing idea. that everybody has. So the bafflement and why do my parents act like this? I mean, why, do I, why, do, why does my father act like this? Why does my mother act like this? Why do they act like this with their neighbors? What is this thing I'm seeing on the on the uh, television? That's this this bang bang boom boom and all these people getting killed. Uh, what is uh, what is this person doing on the sidewalk crying? Uh, uh, why did this little kid get born blind? Uh, so on, tough stuff. And the kids the kids are aware of this stuff and and they have to handle it. And the parents have this absurd. They seem to not understand that these kids are extraordinarily perceptive. It's something, I mean, and if you talk to a little kid, uh, is, it's just eerie. I mean, they really see this stuff. They talk, they'll, you just talk to a little kid like a person, like it was a human being, which it is, and it will open up and it will start telling you these things. And it will say all kinds of uh, things which are amazingly bright and perceptive. It seems like one of the things that um, uh, often marks your cartoons is um, is a is a surprising perspective on something that's uh, may or may not be surprising in and of itself. And I was thinking mm -hmm. about you know think, thinking about how a, a kid sees the world as a kid sees the world rather than as a as a an adult perceives a kid to see the world yeah um yeah. it's not it's not that distant from uh you know you have a lot of cartoons that feature uh, a space alien looking at something yeah yeah uh yeah yeah exactly there's a very definite parallel between and and, and the um uh, uh, the whole the whole monster thing is just about uh um are, you know, do you have it? Do you, 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 you do you feel awkward? Uh, are you embarrassed at any point? Uh, do you feel like you don't fit in at, at, in this particular situation or that particular situation, uh, and so on and so on? I mean, we're just it's 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 uh, it's it, a lot of it's allegory, of course. It seems like, in contrast, to say um, uh, Charles Adams, who who we talked about, who. Um, uh, who lived in a very tight form in his work? Um, yeah, he did. He was uh, he was absolutely brilliant, uh, and uh, but his what he was what he did mostly was to uh, it was it, it wasn't it was very very little commentary. It was it, he he took uh, he, he came off of the uh, basically these magnificent uh, movies that uh, James Whale did uh, for Universal, the uh, Karloff Frankenstein and the second Frankenstein and the, the, the uh, Bride of Frankenstein is probably his, his uh, uh, most incredible movie. And they were not only uh, interestingly scary very and, and, and sensationally vis visual things, they were marvelously visual, uh, they were also hilariously funny. Uh, there was a, he was he was when you do a takeoff on uh, uh, Bela Lugosi you know, with these uh, Dracula, uh, you're, you're doing you're you're doing a takeoff on something which was played very seriously, 
but with the Frankenstein, it was it's it, uh, Wales Frankenstein was was uh, very aware of it was it had a lot of humor. At the same time, your work, um, in contrast to, to say Adams or um, Illica or even like a, another like an Edward Gorey, other sort of macabre cartoonists, mm-hmm. your work is is exploding. Every character has these um, grotesqueries that, rather than being uh, tight and uh sharp are are blooming out you know mm-hmm. g- great festering boils on things and and arms stretching too long right and yeah in a lot of tentacles mm-hmm. heavy on tentacles mm-hmm. um how do you think you ended up w- with this style where things are where everything seems to be spilling out of itself yeah and I, I like to draw uh, these Characters with lots of wattles and all that sort of stuff too. It's fun. It's it's all, it's humanity. You know, we're, we're bumping along. There is a, a, a also uh, there is a, 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 an enormous affection in in all these things. I may, I'm, I do these these I criticize and I rant and rave in these cartoons because I love people and I I, I think we're just wonderful and I think it's a, it's such a terrible shame. That we treat each other so badly that we hurt each other, and uh, why why we should stop? Uh, we I mean we're we're there's there's many there's all kinds of things in our history showing how uh, how lovely we are how beautiful I mean we produced uh, Bach we produced Shakespeare I mean we are capable of being incredible and. Uh, it's so. Let's do it. Are Are you ever tempted to, uh, to draw or paint something with the objective being to make it as beautiful as it can be? Oh yeah, sure. I'll, I I like to, I I I paint. I paint just just for, for myself. But yeah, I love to. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a great. It's delightful to paint something pretty. Yeah. How, how's how is that how is that exercise different than it is to draw some to draw paint something grotesque for you? It's a, um, um, it's a it's a it's a little different because I'm just I'm just uh, relishing how how nice it is, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm just what I'm doing there is I'm just enjoying the moment, uh, loving the moment, loving that uh, whatever I'm painting, and um, and as I say the the car- the car- the anger in the cartoons is because come on let's. Let's let's enjoy. Let's do that. Let's let's do that. Gay and Wilson recorded a decade ago. There are dozens of compilations of Gay's work out there. When I talked to him for this interview, Fantagraphics had just published a 50-year retrospective of his work in Playboy. There is so much out and available. You can find them online and in bookstores. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where the other day Anderson Pock played a concert. Hey, Anderson Pock, come on Bullseye, please. We want to have you. Invitation is open. 
Show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our production fellows are Jordan Cowling and Melissa Duenas. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And we have been doing this show for almost two decades now. Uh, when someone who has been on the show passes away, it's a reminder that I've, I've been doing this a very long time. Uh, you can find almost all of our archives on our website at MaximumFun.org. You can also find many of them in your favorite podcast app or uh, on Facebook or YouTube. One guest who passed away who I really loved talking to, I, I, I had him on the show twice, uh, was Harvey Picard, the creator of the comic American Splendor, which is one of my favorite works of American literature. And uh, Harvey Picard was everything you would hope you could find in a grumpy uncle, uh, a wonderful, brilliant man, and a great interview subject. I talked to him by phone a couple of times back when I was producing the show out of Santa Cruz, and you can find those interviews on our website at MaximumFun.org. I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.